Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. So how you sleeping? Yeah. Not so good? It's just been weird, and I think that all the stress of the move has just made... Not just it hard to sleep, but when I am sleeping, I'm having like these really weird ass dreams. Oh. And, you know, sometimes I'm like really busy in my dreams. So I do. I wake up tired, Exhausted. even though, yeah. you know, I've it's only been dream energy spent. What what kind of uh, what kind of dreams are you having? Well, OK, so like last night was it was a combination of things. I was um at a after hours party at a museum mm-hmm. and I was wearing this uh, like leather pants with mm-hmm. a bikini top and like this huge faux fur uh, coat over the bikini top and my ex-boyfriend like jiggled my bikini top so that the under boob came out and he was like that's how you should wear it and I was yeah. like yeah you're probably right mm-hmm. and then I went into the back with one of our ex-co-workers um, to go see the animals that were at the museum and my dad was tending to them and uh, he let me hold a monkey who tried to eat my eyeball Wow! but wow. then I put the monkey back in the cage and he was from Ecuador so that was kind of neat what he Tell you he was from Ecuador? No, there was a little sign on oh, his cage. Okay. So okay. that was cool. And yeah. then I went to help out at a convenience store where I was making change for people. And then I made out with two previous America's Next Top Model contestants. <laughs> so, I mean, it was very busy and very yeah, weird. Right. But it was, it, you know, it was really nice to see my dad well, sure. and a monkey. And a monkey. Yeah. Your dad <laughs> and a monkey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's really busy. Yeah, I was you, exhausted. You must be exhausted. Yeah. And normally, like, I, I don't share a lot of my dreams with people because who gives a crap about other people's dreams? But that one was especially, like, <laughs> it was varied. It was just varied. Well, you had your deceased father, mm-hmm. a eyeball-eating monkey, yep. and then a makeout session with America's Top Models. Yeah, yeah. Well, they were contestants. They didn't. They, they, were, they weren't they, finalists they didn't or win. winners. Okay. All right. So America's so. next top model rejects. 
What does that say? Those of you who are into dream analysis, let us know what that's all about. Now you tell me something. Okay. Wait. Yay. Okay, well, this is a strange story of an even stranger man. A man named Timothy Dexter. Timothy Dexter lived during the American Revolution, was one of the wealthiest men in uh, in the colonies at the time. The 13 colonies? The 13, the original. That's how many lanterns hang from the big tree. The Liberty Tree. The Liberty Tree. Right, yeah. I learned that on... uh, AllEars.net. Thanks, Molly. (laughs) But even though this guy was one of the wealthiest people in the uh, colonies, he was never really accepted into upper society by the elite, even though that is pretty much what he wanted more than anything. The elite of the time considered him uncouth, uncultured, and uneducated. Was he? Yes. (laughs) Yes, he was. Uh, So who was Timothy Dexter? Well, in 1801, there was a political primer that was out, and it named Thomas Jefferson the first man of America, and war hero Ethan Allen as the strongest man of America, and Timothy Dexter was named the strangest man of America. What what is this, like superlative (laughs) section in a yearbook? Yeah, it's very similar to that, (laughs) uh, only in the old-timey days. Uh, Dexter dropped out of school at the age of eight and, uh, he became an apprentice for a leather worker and, uh, started his own leather working, uh, Mm -hmm. and, uh, eventually parlayed that into a great fortune, but it wasn't because of his business genius or his abilities in any way. In fact, most of his investments that he made were, were absurd. Oh no. They were foolhardy. At best. But for some reason, they always worked out for this guy. That's great. Well, shouldn't that have earned him respect if everyone thought they were foolhardy, but they worked out? You would think. I would. A newspaper of the time described Dexter as uh, having ignorance almost without parallel in the United States of America. But not only was he ridiculously wealthy and successful as a businessman, but he was also a celebrated author, even though he dropped out of school by the age of eight, very little education and even less command of the written English language, not to mention that he had no idea how to spell. Oh, okay. So it'd be like if I wrote something. (laughs) Well, no, I think this would really take that to a whole different level. Um, When the Revolutionary War shut down life in Boston, uh, British, the British closed off the ports. Uh, Dexter responded as though it had never happened. He just continued working as a leather worker and looking for ways to advance his status in the community. So he decided really the first move was to get uh, a, a political office of some sort to be named the head of some department. Like the Department of Leather? Well, you're not far off. Uh, Even though he couldn't string a coherent sentence together when writing, he petitioned the town of Malden to appoint him to office. They ignored his request initially, so he just kept writing these horribly worded letters, waging a one-man letter-writing campaign. Well, the town got tired of this, 
and they wanted him to stop, so they decided to appoint him to an office. Uh, In fact, they created an office just for him. His official title? Informer of Deer. (laughs) It was his job to count deer in the town and report back to the town officials, uh, but only when he had a significant count. And town records indicated that at that time, the deer had disappeared from the town 19 years before. So they sent him on a fool's errand, pretty much. But he didn't care. He had his title. And he was now looking for ways to build his financial empire. So he had saved a little bit of money as a leather worker. And he took his life savings and invested everything he had into continental dollars. Now, this was the currency that was printed by the Continental Congress, Mm -hmm. but had uh, been devalued greatly because they were at war. It wasn't worth anything. People couldn't believe that he did this. It looked as though it was like the most foolish investment ever. Everybody knew you didn't invest in continental dollars. Mm -hmm. But he bought all of the continental dollars he could find and in the process bankrupted himself. But very soon, the U.S. Constitution was signed. And in it was a provision which allowed Americans to trade in their continental dollars for U.S. Treasury bonds. So the value of this worthless script skyrocketed. And that made Dexter fabulously wealthy. Wow. And that pissed people off because he was considered the town idiot, pretty much. They didn't think that he deserved to have made that much money. Uh, He just stumbled into it. It wasn't as if he had any great business acumen or abilities. Uh, He just did something stupid and it paid off. It seems like that's a repeating pattern, though. Wouldn't you eventually be like, oh, well, maybe he's got something going on there. Maybe. But but the fact that the guy just he he was unable to speak intelligently on any subject. He said, quote, I found I was lucky in speculating. All the words are spelled wrong. Speculators swarmed me like hellhounds. Again, all spelled wrong. The speculators were Dexter's rivals. They hated him because he was nearly illiterate and a millionaire. And those two things just shouldn't go together. They didn't feel as though he deserved the money. So they were hoping that he would destroy his own fortune and be forced to move out of the town of Newburyport where they all lived. And so they waited And it never happened. So some of his rivals decided they were more than willing to help that along. One rival speculator told Dexter that uh, he should ship bed warmers to the Caribbean. You know, that's just rude. Like, I'm sorry. His having stuff, his doing well doesn't hurt you in any way. No. So he took this guy's advice and he shipped, he bought 42,000 bed warmers and shipped them to the tropical West Indies. (gasps) And they did well? Well, not surprisingly, he learned very quickly there was a very small market for bed warmers in the tropical climates. So what he did, and this, this, yeah, you got to kind of hand it to him here. What he did was he marketed them as molasses ladles and sold them out yeah. at a higher price than he would have gotten for bed warmers. So See, he was he was crafty. That's clever. And just because you can't spell well doesn't mean that you shouldn't have money. No. I mean, if you're clever, then you deserve that. I mean, you know. That was clever. I don't like you, you snobby dicks. That was clever, but he... He's leather clever. He's leather clever. But there were other incidents that really it was just luck 
For example, another rival convinced him to ship coal to Newcastle, which was Britain's largest coal mining town. So Dexter went ahead and he hired ships and he loaded them up full of coal and he sent these ships to the largest coal mining town in Britain. But as luck would have it, just before they got there, the coal miners went on strike and that made Dexter another huge fortune. I love it. It seems as though every time this guy made a terrible financial decision, it somehow made him a fortune anyway. Mm-hmm. He even shipped winter gloves to the South Pacific. And just by coincidence, Portuguese sailors were getting set to sail north to colder climates. And so they snapped them all up and he made another fortune. <laughs> At the same time, his town of Newburyport became overrun with stray cats and He shipped them all off to the Caribbean, sold them to plantation owners to help keep the mouse population down in their warehouses and made another fortune. All the time, he's trying to build his reputation and climb the social ladder and be accepted by the elites. Dexter gave a speech on the 4th of July, 1793. Uh, This was in Boston, and it was to celebrate the new nation. He decided for some reason that he was going to deliver the speech in French, in spite of the fact that very few people in the crowd spoke French, and he didn't speak it very well. (laughs) At one point, and I guess it just didn't matter, but at one point, because of his lack of familiarity with the French language, he wished his audience, quote, good breeding, piety, and wine. I mean, those are okay things. (laughs) I enjoy some good breeding. (laughs) And some wine. Usually the wine precedes the good breeding. So, of course, the founding fathers standing in the audience just roll their eyes. At this point, he decides to build what he called a princely chateau with tasteful and commodious outhouses in the front yard. He also put 40 enormous statues in the front of his chateau. Each statue cost at the time $2,000. The cost of the statues was double the cost that it it took to, to build the house. The statues celebrated such great Americans as Washington and Jefferson and Adams and, of course, Dexter himself. On his statue was the inscription, quote, I am the first in the East, the first in the West, and the greatest philosopher in the Western world. What does that mean? All misspelled. I'm not really sure. Okay. His next plan was to write his autobiography, which he did. And in the book, he proclaimed himself once again the greatest philosopher in the world. So he was very boastful, but Mm. in an effort to get clout. Yes. So he was like a revolutionary war era rapper. (laughs) Okay, sure. Yeah. But even though this book was horrible, and it all it really did is convince everyone he was insane, it became a bestseller. The The name of the book was called Pickle for the Knowing Ones. What? Yeah. Why, though? I don't know. But what made this book most interesting was that there was not one punctuation mark in the entire uh, book. One critic called it a, quote, jumble of letters promiscuously thrown together. Here's an example. Here's an excerpt. Quote, and again, all misspelled. I wants to make my enemies grin in time. Lack a cat over a hot pudding and gooey. going away and hang their heads down like dogs been after sheep guilty. Yeah. Yeah, take that. I want a um, cat cat pudding also. What? 
For some reason, the book became a bestseller. Well, probably because people wanted to buy it so that they could mock him. But yeah, I really, think so. I think it's I'd... like when you follow someone on TikTok because they're a d bag. You're you're really supporting them. Yep, you're making them money. <laughs> Uh, this pissed off Dexter's detractors even more. And in response to the complaints that there were no punctuation marks in the book, Dexter added an addendum. And the addendum was just pages of punctuation marks. Like, <laughs> like, screw you. You're yep. so obsessed with punctuation. Here's, here's, here's a, your punctuation. Here's a page of commas. Here's a page of periods. Here's a page of question marks. Just sprinkle them about any way you like. He was obsessed with his own legacy. As he got along in years, he even faked his own death and staged a fake funeral just to see who would show up. What? <laughs> Why does that feel familiar? It, it was not uncommon. What? A lot of there were a lot of people who would do that. I mean, I, I remember read... Ross Geller did it, but he's a douche. So of well, course this guy he did. kind of a douche too. Yeah, but he's kind of like an underdog douche. This and... is true. He's 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 lovable. A lovable underdog douche. So. Not a lot of people showed up to his funeral, so he decided he better make it more of a spectacle when he did die. So he, he built this huge, elaborate tomb to be buried in. It was so elaborate and so huge that after he died, the town uh, declared it unsafe for burial. And so in 1806, when he, when he passed away, he was just buried in a simple grave. Most of the people who knew Dexter when he was alive declared him grotesque and idiotic but there were others who praised him as a genius and called him a great man there's an autobiography about this guy written by samuel l Mapp, and he summed up timothy dexter this way quote there are but few men who are sufficiently attentive to their own thoughts and able to analyze every motive or action among these timothy dexter was not one. Wait. Okay. Rude. Um, and you know what? You said earlier that like there was a newspaper article that called him like a numbnuts or something. Yeah. And that's not that's not something you write in a newspaper. He that's was not early, news. He was an early colonial uh, numbnuts. Well, that's not news then. Clearly, that was an opinion piece. Right. That's the thing. I hope that it was marked clearly so idiots won't think it was news. That's the thing. That is the thing. Like, uh, I heard someone say the other day, if your newscaster seems outraged, it's not news. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Yep. And this guy who wrote the article seemed outraged. Mm. So, Timothy Dexter, he was a guy. Yeah. I have mixed feelings about that guy. Because I don't think that people should begrudge you success just because you're not good at spelling. Uh, I would hope that people wouldn't because... Uh, <laughs> you know, or in our case, pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, you know, I also don't think that it's cool to, like, put a statue of yourself in your front yard and call yourself the Best of the East and the West. What? Yeah, they, yeah, that, that doesn't yeah. even make any sense. World's greatest philosopher. I struggle with your humility, sir. <laughs> and now, that thing in the middle. Chimoy Thipiaso was a bit of a con man and a pretty successful con man. His specialty was pyramid schemes. But one pyramid scheme was so successful that it was his last no, he didn't retire. The scheme was so good, it fooled the royal family of Thailand into investing. 
His scheme was uncovered, and needless to say, the royal family was not pleased. They sentenced him to 141,078 years of imprisonment. This is the longest prison sentence in recorded history. We're writing a limerick about this podcast, and we need your help. Now, what's a three-syllable word that rhymes with gaping flesh wound? Well, we're waiting. This is The Box of Oddities. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parenting kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away, and my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life... Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout, and you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. 
On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. The story I did uh, an episode or two ago about the crying boy painting yes. curse it got a huge response on uh, social media. Mostly, why the fuck would anybody want that portrait in their house? It's a great question. On Instagram, King Ryan wrote, I'm from South Africa. In the early 90s, you found these in almost every Afrikaner household. We had one also, always gave me the creeps. <laughs> Then the haunted stories spread about the Afrikaner community, and almost everyone burned their copies. <laughs> we burned ours as well, and I can still remember the greenish flame that it burned with. Ooh. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much. When we have the opportunity to hear from someone who is somehow connected to one of our stories, it blows my mind. Especially when it comes from on the other side of the globe. Right. Thanks, King Ryan. And I'm hoping that you have a, uh, a story for me at this point in the podcast. If I didn't, I would be very bad at my job. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what you got for me? Oh, yeah, I don't have anything. Sorry. Oh. I'm just really bad at my job. <laughs> no, JK. All right. Uh, big thanks to Erica on Instagram who sent me a, this suggestion. So over the years, the Popeye franchise has included TV cartoons and games and ads and comics and such. Oh, I thought you meant the fried chicken place. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of comic books about fried chicken. <laughs> it's pretty simplistic, really. It mostly involves battering and hot oil, but, mm -hmm. you know, still really good. Anyway, uh, you may remember, like, a year or so ago, my friend Mark sent me a DVD of the 80s movie where Robin Williams plays Popeye. I still haven't had a chance to watch that, but um, I did pack it. So it's coming with us to it Florida. Got, it got universally panned when yeah. it came out. But now I see reviews. People say, you know, it's actually pretty good. I'm super excited to watch it. Um, but it's just I never think to watch DVDs anymore. It's just mm. not a thing that happens yeah. in my brain unless we lose the Internet. Um, so <laughs> it was actually ranked. Uh, it. Oh, God, I'm bleeding. Where? What is happening? Where is you, you blood the, coming from? You got the stigmata? Cat has stigmata, I everyone. Don't stigmata. Oh, it's my leg. Okay. Guess, Mosquito bite. I guess I got scratched or something. Better get used to that. We're moving to Florida. <laughs> Popeye was ranked by TV Guide to be one of the 50 greatest cartoon characters of all time, by the way. Wow. Um, so, E.C. Seeger's Thimble Theater comic strip 
was in its 10th year in 1919. And in those early years, the strip featured characters acting out various stories and scenarios in very theatrical style, which is why it was called the Thimble Theater. Anyway, uh, it could be classified as a gag-a-day comic in those days. Now, Seeger created the Popeye the Sailor character after taking correspondence course on drawing from a guy in Cleveland. And Popeye first appeared in the strip on January 17th, 1929. Popeye was just originally one of the many characters in this strip. It wasn't like the Popeye strip. It was just he was one of the many who was in and out of the storyline. Part of the cast. Exactly. I did not know this. Did you know that Popeye is based on a real man? I did not know that either. Well, that's what we're talking about. Wow. The real Popeye the Sailor Man. The real, did he talk like, (laughs) thanks, Gollums. Sadly, that's actually really good. Oh, thanks. It sounds exactly like Uncle Joey's version of Popeye. Well, that's what I was going for. I thought so. You want me to do Bullwinkle too? Should we have a Bullwinkle off? Okay, let me hear your Bullwinkle. You go first. <clears throat> hey, Rocky. That's all you got? That's all I got. Yeah. Okay. That's, the only thing I can say is, hey, Rocky. That's the extent that's of that's your, your bullwinkle that's, that's skills. Yeah. Okay. I have limited bullwinkle skills. Okay. Hey, my name is Bullwinkle. Ooh, I don't know. Mm. That's going to be tough. It's a tough one. Yours is great, but you didn't do the I didn't do hand the antlers. antlers. No, I didn't do the hand antlers. So. You are a master of the hand antler. Thank you. Which sounds... Like a euphemism. Right? It sounds like something you'd pick up that skill at a leather shop. <laughs> <clears throat> Frank Fiegel had the nickname Rocky, which is weird. That's because... really weird. <laughs> hey, Rookie! <laughs> and he was a well-known character, if you will, from the town of Chester uh, in Illinois. Uh, He was somewhat of a local legend, and he supposedly had this incredible nonsensical strength and often uh, was in fights. Fiegel's parents had immigrated from Poland and settled in Chester. And he w- had never been a sailor, but he was a bartender and a general laborer around the town. He didn't have a lot of steady work. According to Southern Illinois newspaper, some called him a bum. He was often seen around the town, uh, often in saloons. And the newspaper said that he was, quote, loafing around a lot. Hmm. Which, again, I feel like is a lot of opinion. Right. But whatever. Was he outraged? Did he sound outraged when he reported that? (laughs) In in the Southern Illinoisan? I don't know. But uh, like Popeye, Fiegel was said to have a very prominent chin, a very sinewy physique. He did smoke a pipe, and he didn't have a lot going on in the way of teeth. Okay, what about uh, the anchor tattoo? I don't know about the anchor tattoo. I suppose if he wasn't a sailor, it's pretty unlikely that he had an anchor tattoo. Maybe that was just a way for Siegel to connect the fact that he was a sailor to his visual image. Do you know what that means, the anchor tattoo? Do you know what that signifies? I just read this. Steadfast and homestead. If, If memory serves me, it means it indicates that that person is a sailor who has uh, sailed across the Atlantic. Oh, really? Yes. I had never heard that. I'm right full of seaman knowledge. 
Mm-hmm. Fiegel was said to be more likely to down a few bourbons instead of a can of spinach, oh, though, I see. Yeah. to get his super fighting prowess. Yeah, bourbon will do that to you, but it's it's not appropriate when you're drawing cartoons for kids. Switching out the bourbon for spinach was a great idea. Right. Well, the spinach, as as we know, uh, really helped a lot of parents encourage their kids right. to eat their leafy greens. Mm-hmm. Um, so the bourbon would have been, uh, I think, maybe the wrong message. Like, okay, kids. You can't leave the table until you finish your wild turkey. <laughs> Fiegel, it was said, though, did love the kids in his neighborhood, and he would help them out giving them change when he had it or uh, protecting them from bullies. Hmm. So he was always kind of like protecting the underdog. Again, an underdog. Um, And he would also impress them with his feats of strength, (laughs) which I love that that whole concept is like you go, uh, you're walking past the saloon with your your stupid kid friends and you're all like and then this guy comes out and you're like hey it's rocky pick up this car yeah and then he like ties a knot with a crowbar yeah yeah i want to hang out with that guy and then somebody hits him over the head with a car fender and the car fender just takes on his silhouette shape exactly it actually reminds me a little bit of my dad like this whole story because my dad was like a freaky strong kind of guy he's a barrel-chested man he was (laughs) he also had a way with ecuadorian monkeys (laughs) somebody told me once that they saw him pick up a car to to move it out of a parking (laughs) spot and i was like you're kidding me but then someone else told me the same story and i was like wait what what um other characters in the Strip had real life inspirations too, but maybe not as much fun. Uh, Olive Oil's real life inspiration was Dora Pascal, or was said to be Dora. She was the owner of a local general store and was tall and thin, and she would always wear her hair in a loose bun right at the nape of her neck. Mm -hmm. Uh, Though it's said that the neighborhood kids were actually quite frightened of Olive Oil's (laughs) real world inspiration, Uh, maybe because Dora didn't want them just hanging out in her general store. Quit loitering. Chasing them off the porch with her broom. Something like that. It's also said that Rocky had an old boss at a local theater who was a huge fan of hamburgers. And uh, he would often send Rocky off to go buy him hamburgers. Uh, His name was William Schubert, and he was allegedly the inspiration for Wimpy. Wimpy. Now, in this article, uh, Rocky's nephew, Clyde Fiegel, recounts a story of visiting his uncle in a saloon. And he said, they had two big guys inside who would tell you you had to buy drinks for the house or they would put on gloves, meaning that they would fight you. And they had this big bruiser waiting to fight. But he, meaning his uncle, Rocky, He put on gloves and knocked out their guy. So it was just another example of him sticking up for the little guy because nobody else in the bar could beat these bullies who would make them buy 
And so the big the big bully was he the inspiration for Bluto? Uh, no, I don't I don't know about that. Okay, I only know about Wimpy and Olive Oil. That's that's fine. Sorry, uh, it's unclear if Fiegel was aware of his role in Popeye. Uh, there's some mixed stories. It's said that E.C. Seeger regularly sent money to Fiegel as a thank you for the inspiration of Popeye. That's according to Bud Sagendorf, who said that he saw the checks that were sent to Fiegel. But some say it wasn't until the final years of Fiegel's life that he knew that he was the inspiration for Popeye. Nonetheless, there is an engraving of Popeye's face on his gravestone. Oh, no kidding. Originally, he was buried with a very basic gravestone, but Popeye fans over the years decided that that wasn't good enough. So they have this really nice marker with Popeye's face on it. Fiegel passed away in 1947. They you know, thought that he should be remembered as the inspiration for Popeye. And there's also a statue of Popeye uh, and sort of Fiegel that was raised in Chester, Illinois, in his honor. That is fascinating. I had no idea that that was based on a real guy. I didn't either. That's why when I got that message on Instagram, I was like, okay, this is this is interesting. So, <laughs> And I was in the midst of reading about it, and I was really enjoying my, my research bath. And then I was like, oh, I can make this a topic. Kat takes research baths. Yeah. Um, when when she's preparing her topic for the show, she does it in the tub. Yeah. Although you won't be for the next couple of weeks. No, no. I'll just be sitting in a chair like a hobo. <laughs> Actually, we'll we'll be on the road, so you'll be sitting in somebody else's chair like a hobo. That's right. That's even more like a hobo. And I, we will be homeward bound, so I actually will be a hobo. We're going to be doing uh, our shows from the road as we drive from Bangor, Maine, down to Orlando, which is our new home. And uh, w- this will be interesting. I'm I'm fascinated to see how this comes out. Yeah. Um, we're excited to kind of make you a part of our road trip uh, as we tootle on down. And uh, also very excited about going to some of these places where we're going to be visiting and I've never been before. We're not going to be able to spend a lot of time, but like I've never been to Durham before. In fact, we just got a another email from Florida. This one's from Oleander, uh, who said, uh, good morning, uh, Tampa freak reaching out. First, I just want to say that in episode 352, I felt so seen. I'm a non-binary Scandinavian person. Wow. Oh. Oh, that's awesome. That was the episode where you talked about the non-binary Viking, right? Yeah, exactly. They say, I'm sure you've been invited out for drinks by every other Southeastern freak, but if you're ever in the Tampa area, love to meet y'all. We really have to think about putting together some sort of a a freak meetup. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, So anyway, that's it, right? That's the end of the show? I think so. Okay. Thanks for hanging out with us, you guys. We'll see you next time. Until next time. Wait, you did that part. Keep flying that freak flag. Wait. Until then, keep flying that. <laughs> how many times have I you said that? I forgot how to do it. <laughs> 353 shows and... <laughs> anyway, Don't worry, I'll, I'll cut all that out. Yeah, okay. And so... Let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. 
Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. TheBoxOfOddities.com On Facebook at Facebook.com slash Box of Oddities Podcast On Twitter at Box of Oddities And Instagram at Box of Oddities Podcast Copyright 2021 All rights reserved Timothy Dexter lived during the American Revolution was one of the wealthiest men in the wealthiest Hi, I'm Neil And I'm Ken And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.